The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Intuitive Connection, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. I'm so excited today to have Karen Garvey, who is one of my teachers. And when do you ever get to have the opportunity to interview one of your, I was going to say founding fathers, but that makes no sense. One of your teachers, maybe you were one of our founding fathers. Anyway, Karen, welcome. Uh, thanks. Hey, I'll accept that. Who knows yeah. where we've been before. We might know some of it, but maybe not all of it. Exactly. And I'm so excited to have you here and to pick your brain and to learn more about your process. But I wanted to start off because you have such an interesting story, because I know a lot of people, you know, someone like me who had those glimmers of intuition all along. And for me, it was sort of just noticing where they've been happening all along and, and learning to work with that. But for you, that experience was pretty discreet, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there was a a defining moment during the attack on the World Trade Center on 9-11-2001. So there's, my life is kind of before and after. So I think of that day as almost like a birth moment because my life changed so dramatically after that. But that was the day when living about an hour from Manhattan, I experienced what was happening at the World Trade Center while I was physically not present. So whenever you experience any chance in life to know that your consciousness is not connected to your body, it alters all of the perceptions that you had before that moment. Wow. And I remember, and and tell me if I'm getting this wrong, but I remember you're saying that you knew what was going on before you put on the TV. Yes, exactly. So I had gone for a run and when I returned to my house, I was punching the key code in to get the garage door to go up. And that's when I experienced my consciousness being there. And when I got into the house, I already was an entrepreneur working from my home. So most people didn't call between the hours of nine and whatever. And the phone was ringing, which was unusual. Somebody was telling me to put the television on. And so I did. And that's when I was aware that I was more aware than the broadcasters who were live reporting on what their suppositions were about what were happening. 
and I already knew things that they did not yet know. And that's kind of strange because obviously under, over the next few days, it unfolded that I was accurate and I was ahead of them. That was another glimpse into consciousness and not having to be attached to the linear expectation and the, and the limited expectation of what consciousness can do. And before this, no interest in psychic experience, nothing? Oh, no. No, no, no. I came from, I think, very similar to you, where academics were what were suggested and rewarded in my family. So anything that even had a hint of being, you know, off the intellectual mark or out of science, it was definitely not encouraged to say the least, but there would have been ridicule or embarrassment in my family for suggesting anything that wasn't coming through science or mathematics. So not only did I not have experiences as an individual, I had no curiosity and I would have probably crushed any experience that was out of that frame of reference or that paradigm that was expected. But you didn't. No. And that's the great thing about this, this life is that there's so many more aspects at play than we will necessarily understand until they hit us. And that miracle, I think, is what helps us to stay ignited and filled with hope, even in the moments when we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I know other people have experiences where they get to witness the magnificence of energies at play beyond just the thinking self and the earthly experiences. And they come through all sorts of different pathways, like maybe a near death or so on. Mine happened to come through the travels of my consciousness without me being aware of it. You know, later on, Victoria, I was able to, in hindsight, put the pieces together of like what was the perfect storm that my consciousness separated on that day. So that helps me in bringing forth the natural intuitive abilities in clients because I'm aware of the conditions that allow for a smoother transition to believing that we're not intuitive into understanding that we certainly all are. And can you tell us more about that? Because now I'm super curious. Oh, well, it's so funny. Let's, I won't use a name, but when I was, you know, peeling away the masks and layers and becoming more intuitive and learning to communicate with non-physical sources of energy and seeing the benefit that appeared in my life rapidly and the lives of the people that I let in, which was, you know, four people, because I thought this was too weird. I had a, a couple of people who really trusted the process for me with me. And they were like attorneys and they weren't the people that would have had a spiritual background to get to where they were, or they didn't have the spiritual background to get to where they were. So when they realized that this thing that was happening, this unnamed thing, you know, the only frame of reference that we had for it on the planet was being psychic, I guess. So one of them very kindly sent me to see a world renowned psychic in a kind of what do you call it when you're like a town square kind of meeting, not like one of those big 10,000 people things. So I, they got me this ticket and I was front and center in front of this famous, renowned, very proficient psychic medium. And while I was there, I, I just wanted to figure out what does it mean? I don't get it. I just don't understand this at all. So as I was trying to figure it out, I, I did this thing where I tried to put on like an invisibility cloak of energy because I didn't want him to call on me or anything. I just wanted to be a fly on the wall. One of the most startling things that he said, he, he really was excellent at his proficiency and his skill set. But one thing that startled me that was inconsistent with my evidence was 
that you are either born this way or not. I have a gift and you wow. don't. And he said it with such uh, credibility and everybody was like, oh yes, you are the master, let us come to you. And I knew that what he was doing was a tremendous disservice of the millions of people who were trusting him and his audience. And that I felt that it was one of my opportunities to scrape away that misbelief and help people to understand that we are never, ever not intuitive. What happens is that we set up layers of different experiences we've had in childhood that separate us from our own intuition. But there's always a little place somewhere, somehow in our lives that keeps that thread open. And we just want to get in there and kind of open and expand that thing that's already there. Right. And you say on your website, so I was reading this morning about how everyone's intuitive, but we all bring our own gifts to the table. And for some people, it might be more natural or normal, or you have certain things that are more available to you, but everyone's got it and everyone has the ability to develop it. Did I yes. paraphrase you well? Oh, very yeah. well. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think once people understand that we can all develop it, it helps people to be able to find something within them that they didn't think was possible. And it also helps them to not pass their power on to other people who are making claims of having more availability or access to information for that person's benefits. You know, part of intuition is the trust factor. And if you hear someone have an absolute that they know more about you and your life than you do, then intuition should kick in and say, this doesn't feel good. Right. Yeah. Run the other way is what yeah, I exactly. think a lot of times. Exactly. I mean, when people come to me and I say this all the time, so my listeners already know this, but when people come to me, I always say like, it's my job to give your guidance back to you and to help you uh, connect with it. Right. And so it's not what I think. It's not my guides, even if it is my guides or whoever's guide. It's, you know, the, I'm the conduit for you tapping into your own inner resources and wisdom and light. And, you know, until you don't need that conduit anymore kind of I deal. love that. And I yeah, that. and I think it's really important. I think ego would tell us, you know, I got to have the special gift or you're not going to want to come to see me. And I do have gifts. We all have gifts and we all have different gifts, right? Yeah. And so we all bring beautiful, magical things to the table once we allow ourselves to do that. But you can do that without, you know, feeling like you have to step on anybody else's toes or take their power away because the joy is, you know, helping to ignite uh, the light yeah. in someone else, right? No doubt. No doubt. And I, I like that you said even the word conduit because that when I was testing different intuitive words, there's a tremendous lack of language in the English language to support any kind of real spiritual concepts. And uh, I tossed aside many of them because they were so inconsistent or incomplete. And I wound up settling on conduit. And yes, a lot of people don't understand what I'm saying, but I can't think of a clearer word. I am the way to pass through from information. If you haven't spent as much time as I did to develop the clarity, that's the difference between me and you. I put more effort into it and you're living your life doing the things you put your effort into it. So let me be that conduit for you. I love how you explain that. And I'm just maybe have taken that word conduit from you, Karen, because you're definitely one of my teachers. So I, you, well, you I, may. I accept that too, because then every person that you reach with that word, it helps it to become a better usage in our vocabulary to help people like me and you in the future, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're reminding me of, so Karen was one of my early teachers and I did a workshop with her and a group of people 
And it started as kind of a big group. And then each new iteration, it got smaller and smaller until there were like three of us. And I remember you saying like at the time, which was like so powerful about, you know, at that point there were just three people left and it probably wasn't worth your time financially to do it. But you know, your, your information was part of my job is to light the spark in other people. Because, you know, if I hit you three people and you three people go out and hit another hundred, you know, thousand people, whatever, however, that is going to work for each of us, you know, that is the way of spreading the light. And I just thought that was so beautiful. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've always had this vision of, and I don't know why these are the numbers that pop up, but I always see like if I have a four gallon bucket of energy and let's use water because it's more visual. If I have a four gallon bucket of water and I can only pour it one time, am I going to pour it into a thimble or am I going to pour it into a three and three quarter gallon bucket? So what I attract in is people who have higher levels of awareness and higher innate vibrational energy. So the when that passage of energy happens, they're able to then pass that bucket on to another, you know, three and three quarter. But if I pass it into a thimble, it's kind of, it's shot. It's, it's a lot of expenditure of effort for little consequential outcome only because of where that person with the thimble size container is at that moment in their life. No judgment. It's just that this is where they are in their spiritual development. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful image. You have shared that with me before and I have shared that with others because it's so helpful and important. And I think it's also important about teaching us not just who we work with, if we are called to do the kind of work that you and I do, but also just where you invest your energy in this world, who you interact with, how you interact with people. And I think a lot of times people too, when they get this, you know, spiritual, intuitive, psychic, whatever kind of bug they want to pass it on and convince everybody else you know listen listen this is true and like sometimes yeah. it's just it's not important just you know spend your energy where it's going to be best received yes yes yeah and put those ripples out and you never know where they're going to go not every ripple very few ripples are going to come back and tell you how they're doing <laughs> that's true as well <laughs> I, I find that that sometimes happens and when it does it's so magical yes Especially yeah. at the times when someone does that and you don't realize you've made an impact. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, I saw them five years ago and I never saw them again. And then five years later, they're like, that was really helpful. I love that. So you never know. You know, I think too, you and I work differently. And, you know, we were talking before about, actually, let me just try to find the thread. We were talking before about how everyone's intuitive, but we all express it and experience it differently. and you have some, what I think are some really unique gifts and the way that you, I know kind of what I do. And one of my journey was sort of learning not to try to copy my teachers and learn to look inside and figure out, okay, what's my special sauce? What are the gifts that my soul wants me to share with the world? But you have some gifts that I don't have that really intrigue me. So I'm curious to know a little bit more about some of those. One of the things that I know that you like to do is sort of do your energy reports and tune in. And I don't know if I'm doing it justice the way I'm explaining it, but the way it seems to me is sort of get a beat on the times and sort of what's coming for us and what's in the air. And I would love to hear more about that, both in terms of what the process is like for you and then maybe also what, what you're getting that our listeners might want to know for the immediate future. Ah, that's an interesting question. Listen, I've done thousands of 
television and podcast and radio interviews and no one has ever asked that question before. So I find that really kind of cool. First of all, what I recognize is that as individuals, as we're going through the process of enlightenment, if we're going through it at all, there are usually two components or two tracks to that. One is our relationship with the global construct and one is our relationship as an individual. And most people who excel at enlightenment usually excel at one of those tracks and not both. And what is interesting is I've seen case after case where a person is having a really tremendously broad global perspective about our interconnectedness and consciousness and so on, doing beautiful things in the world. But then you go and look at their personal life and they're just a mess. Also, I've seen plenty of people who are incredibly enlightened within the focus of their individual experience and the people within their personal community. But when it comes to reflecting on, you know, kindness and love outside of whatever they self-identify with, they don't have the ability to kind of move that out into the global. And so what I've noticed from the beginning, from the very first time when I started to really help people understand their place in the world is that guides come in with a two-prong approach is one is to definitely help the individual experience techniques and ideas and suggestions that will help them have a far better experience in their day-to-day lives, but also to understand how their individual life fits into the component of being a co-creator of our planet experience. And so what happens for me is that when I'm working individually with clients, we do a lot of focus on individual day-to-day experiences and challenges that will come up intuitively that might be creating an obstacle for them in this moment. But there's also an overriding, I always see it as top-down view. There's always an overriding top-down view of how does this fit into, into life? What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of your life in the globe? And I find that when people feel more connected to the purpose of their being, then they feel more connected to some of the qualities we develop when we feel like meaningful beings on this planet. It's interesting when you see yourself in that interconnected kind of way, all of a sudden things that you would do without thought that were just modeled to you when you were younger, simple things like maybe tossing a you know, gum wrapper out a window or having judgment because someone has a different religion than you, all of a sudden that stuff starts to come into balance and you start to accept that we are all one and my thoughts are as important as my actions or my inactions. So what's going on now? We're in a period of accelerated enlightenment And I can give and have given many seminars about the timeline of accelerated enlightenment. So I could go back to really showing how it began in say 1910, 1920. But if we really wanted to, we could go back to 1600. But just to stay within our own personal frame of reference, you can see all of the changes that have happened every decade from say 1920 to 2020. And they all make sense. They all make sense. And they can all show us ways to be witness to accelerated enlightenment at play on the larger scale. Now, as things started to come to a little bit more of a peak, I would say it was probably 2000. 
And there's rhythm and energy even in numbers. You know, the fact that it's the end of a year, a decade, a millennium, and so on. If it causes us to pause and think energetically, then sometimes there's some real significance to that turnover of a significant calendar date. And since 20, 2000, I'm sorry, 2000, the accelerated enlightenment and the evidence of it is so much more apparent and you can't outwitness it. I love that. Uh, I'm sure you have the same parallel experience to me, but like when I came out with this in 2007, I was, I felt alone in the world. I was, I was making up language all the time and trying to get people to understand what I was saying. And now some of the language that I was making up, I'm listening to, you know, at the end of a baseball game, the guy is interviewed and my language from 2007 is coming out of his mouth. So that's some of the evidence that we can see about what accelerated enlightenment does for us. Now, the corollary, inevitable part of this is that whatever we have created on this planet that is not aligned with the positive vibration of enlightenment, it will be deconstructed, you know? And when you deconstruct, it creates a lot of chaos. And that's pretty much what we're in the middle of is deconstructing. You know, like I know people are resistant to change and all you have to do is work for a corporation for a minute. And as soon as a new boss comes in or they start a new department or they start a new project, everybody's like, no, 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 we got to do it this way. This is the way we've always done it. Now, put that into hundreds of years of the way humanity has lived and constructed things, especially uh, institutions uh, such as the criminal justice system or politics and so on then the deconstructing, pulling it apart, it's going to create an enormous ripple of chaos. But the good news is that the higher your level of awareness, the more immune you are to the negative consequences of the deconstructing period. And you can already jump into the reconstruction period simultaneously while others are still pulling apart a faulty foundation. Right. Oh, that's so beautifully put. So beautifully put. And I think too, there are some of us that, you know, still have a little bit of foot on that shaky ground. But I think the more you align with in your head, the idea of that greater purpose, and the more you, you know, have those opportunities to zoom out, the more that even when things are shaking a little bit, I find that that helps me find my center. And I'm like, oh yeah, so they're shaking, but this is why they're shaking. And this is why I'm here at this period of time when they're shaking. And for me, I don't know what your experience is, but for me, that usually helps me settle down and find that center again. Oh, absolutely. And you don't have to get caught in the shaking, even yes. if the house next door is falling down. Right. And you know, when this first, you're making me think, because when this first started happening, that was a lot of the questions that I got when I was teaching where people, and probably because it was going on within me too, this feeling of other people are suffering. I'm not, should I be? Yeah. What's your answer to that, Karen? Yeah, I get that question a lot. And it's a hard habit to break to believe that you have to come to the suffering level in order to be compassionate or of value. The answer comes with an analogy that if you're skipping along a meadow and you hear some cries for help and you go over and there's a hole and there's a person at the bottom of the hole, you know, what's going to be better for that person is if you jump into the hole with them or if you stay in the meadow and then maybe you could get them some food or you could get them a book or a flashlight or 
something or some, my goodness, some deodorant, anything. <laughs> a <Yeah>. ladder? <laughs> oh, a ladder. <laughs> no, there's just, a good idea. You're way just ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but you get the idea. Yeah. yeah. If you're both sunk, no one can rise. But if you give people a place to move to, that's at a different vibration than where they're at. They can at least have the option of choosing to step up or to remain where they are, even if you give them opportunities to step up like a ladder. I love it. That's so beautiful. I'm going to be playing this little part of the interview again and again, whenever I forget. Aww. All right. So the question I always ask, which I'm very curious about, how do you experience your intuition? Like, what is it? What's that experience like for you? Because I know it's different for everybody. Yeah. I am practiced at it. You having your PhD, you understand the level of effort that it took for you to achieve something so monumental. I did not have a PhD class available, but I think that the amount of effort that I extended in making my conduit as clear as I could was probably PhD level. So my abilities and where I can take consciousness and the way I can receive intuition is going to be be far broader and grander than a lot of people experience, but not because I'm more special than someone else, but just because I'm more developed by choice. And that said, I can, my consciousness can go anywhere. I can go to a client's past life if that's going to bring information of value or they feel like playing even. I can go to any of my past lives. I can go to historical places in history to maybe get a more well-rounded perspective other than what history is reporting. I can also go to a person's the entirety of their life and pinpoint moments or even decades when a person stepped away from their knowingness that they are allowed to be happy and abundant and healthy. So very specific moments or even just kind of like the underlying tone of their entire family history, the family they were raised in, I can get that. Um, and I also love the proficiency that I have and a lot of people do, which is seeing messages, getting songs in my head, allowing dreams to bring solutions, being able to, I see images, I see tons and tons of movies, I hear things, I channel books, I channel prolifically. Uh, so the only kind of intuitive technique that I haven't kind of mastered is using the sense of smell to get information of value. Like that's happened to me like a couple of times accidentally and it was such a thrill. I'm like, <laughs> I don't really do that much. But other than that, I would say virtually every way you have heard of that a person can experience intuition, I have some level of proficiency at that. Did it start off with one particular Claire, one particular way of being stronger or did it all sort of hit at once? I kind of immersed myself in it so thoroughly that I was learning to channel like through a keyboard while channeling audially at the same time. So those were happening simultaneously. And in any given moment during that period of really profound doubt, for some amazing reason, if I would get something in writing and then I would also hear it, or then I would hear something and then I would get it in writing, I didn't seem to be smart enough to put together. I could have been you know, making this up myself, but when I would get them through those two avenues, it made me feel validated. You know? 
You know, it's so interesting because what I'm hearing the guides say or my guides say or however it works for you is that you think about your learning process as making yourself really strong and really like clear, but a lot of what you were doing was convincing yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. I, I Here, I'll tell you, you know, this is a story not a lot of people know, Victoria, so I'll tell it to you kind of quickly, but interestingly, the first day that I knowingly communicated with guides was on February 2nd, 2005. So everything up until then was like getting hit with lightning, right? Feeling random. And in hindsight, the miracle of it is that my life for two years was like the living the Groundhog Day movie. So it was very funny that my first experience was on Groundhog Day because every day I woke up disconnected and panicked or cried or sobbed or yelled. And then by the end of the day, every night I was connected again and I would wake up and I was like, this is stupid. I can't do it. No one can do it. I made it up. And I'd be all unhappy. And then by the end of the day, I'd figure out how to get connected again and I'd be high. So I'd go low, high, low, high, low, high until I figured out how to make it just stay open. That's amazing. I'm folding that page over because that's the second time a spiritual teacher has referenced that movie for me in the last like 24 hours. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Wild. That that's, is wild. I love that. That's it's, intuition. It's intuition at work. I can't wait to unpack that. I like that a lot. <laughs> that little hint. I know. And I'm definitely yeah. going to have to watch that Especially movie now I at the very least. Not a lot of people know this story. That makes it even cooler. It's really cool. Yeah. The other one was Eckhart Tolle last night on a video I was watching. So crazy, crazy. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I am sad to say this, but it is time for us to start to wrap up. First of all, is there anything else that you want to share with listeners that's coming to you now before we get to the end? You know, I think I would just say that anytime that you feel um, you're immersed in emotions that are negative, just remember that that is the illusion and it's temporary and it's what you learned on earth. It's not your fault. It's just peeling off the things that you were taught. And when you live with that hope, it helps you to know that joy and play and optimism and freedom and choice, that that's where your soul really resides. So don't feel any guilt in experiencing above the line emotions or activities, regardless of anything that anybody else is going through. I love that. I'll be playing that one again and again, too. That is such beautiful wisdom. Karen, if somebody wants to work with you or connect with you, what does it look like and how do they do that? The easiest place to get information is at KarenGarvey.com. And on there, I have information about where I'm giving seminars. Most of it's online right now. Uh, at least public seminars, you can find out on my website, the private ones. No, you won't get information on that. But also, there's a section on doing sessions or coaching. I have a YouTube channel. I have tons of essays on my website as well. And if someone signs up for my newsletter, they'll get new information. I send out new kind of inspiring message at least once a week at this moment and perhaps more down the line. So there's lots of ways that regardless of your resources, time or money or anything, you can work with me on some level or another even if it means purchasing a book or downloading a book. There's lots and lots of ways to keep yourself immersed in something. If you find value in it, you want to keep yourself moving forward in that direction. 
And we'll have all of that information in the episode notes so that you can find it there and connect with Karen. Karen, this has been so much fun. I hope you'll be our guest again because I have so many more questions that I want to ask you. But for now, thank you so much. It's really been okay. It was great. I really love doing this with you. I knew that both of us would have a great time even being able to sit down and have a conversation for the first time in a really long time, which is really wonderful to do. I look forward to it again in the future too. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.